live on tape from KGCR Studios in sunny Southern California. This is Glitch City Radio. Welcome, everybody, to episode six of Glitch City Radio, the podcast magazine for Glitch City, an indie games and digital arts collective based in Culver City. I'm Levi, and joining me in this episode, as usual, I have two great co-hosts. Oh, thanks, Levi. It's always a pleasure. Uh, Julian Cantor here in the co-host seat this episode and sitting in our segment host seat jamie perino and my last name is roar <laughs> glad we uh, ironed that out <laughs> i was waiting for it the whole time so uh jamie i hear you have a panel for us right i'm leading our panel discussion this episode and i'm joined by three guests this time phase atley and rachel Cool. So a couple uh, return guests, and it sounds like we have a new guest, Phase, which I'm really looking forward to hearing from. That's right. This episode, the topic is installation. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. D- do you actually think it's cool? I mean, we're legally obligated to say it's cool. Exactly. I just want to know, because I chose this topic thinking it would be a nice, broad topic, and I, I, sometimes I don't know if you actually like what I decide on, Julian. Um, I think that uh, I'm trying to tie it back to the theme here of installation that I, I can't uh all, all i'll say is you have my full support let's try that again i didn't mean to install you in the hot seat um, <laughs> okay. and coming up we also probably have an interview on the horizon that's typically how the episodes work yes levi very likely and it is absolutely the case this episode as well wow our interview subject from last episode, Atlee, will be interviewing Ben Vance, who is a designer and director here in Los Angeles. He works in VR and does installation work as well, uh, which, funnily enough, ties directly into your theme, Jamie. How coincidental. It's almost like people are planning this show or something. I don't know. Strange. So a new aspect of this podcast is, is commercials. So we're going to be... Oh, no, well, we had those those in previous episodes. Actually, every episode. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, I'm excited to see what it's like. Okay. So let's get into that right now. This episode is brought to you by Screensavers by Floatland. Screensavers is a nostalgic playground where viewers can explore infinite realms of classic screensavers through AR, VR, and the whirling kaleidoscope of modern technologies. Revisit the pop tech aesthetic of the 90s in a whole new way. Join the Screensavers beta email mystifymymind at gmail.com with the subject beta. And we're back. Welcome to our group panel for episode six of Glitch City Radio with me to my left, a awesome game designer, FaZe. FaZe, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, sure. I'm a game designer. I enjoy most environments and level design. My games are about uh, emotional experiences, neuroatypicalities, and this is kind of a dirty word, but experimental <laughs> games. That is filthy. This is dirty uh, word. But we're not going to censor it because we want everyone to hear the truth <laughs> on our podcast. Well, thanks for coming on to the show with us. Um, to my right is Atlee, a regular and amazing person. Atlee, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
I'm Atlee, and I'm mainly a programmer. I also design things. Mysterious. Atlee Brevity Lockhunch. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, and then next to Atlee is Rachel, a core member at Glitch City and another game designer. Wow, there's a theme. I know, <laughs> right? Good to be back. Thanks for having me. Are you working on anything interesting these days, Rachel? I'm working on Super Meat Boy right now, actually, and that's been a good time so far, so... It's a nice little spicy meatball. <laughs> um, every episode we have a theme, and uh, our group panel is going to center around the theme of the episode, which is... Coffee. Sorry. Could be coffee. In a way it is, but it's installation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a drip maker here. I installed it, and I make coffee basically every day. Amazing. So there we go. <laughs> In the morning when I have to install software, I tend to want to have a cup of coffee with me. Mm-hmm. Um, get me through that very painful process. Um, so yeah let's get into installation has anyone been to any good gallery shows lately in la or other places not recently i think the last installation thing i I think was your uh phases regression law yes thank you we have a poster for it over there and that was like dope as hell but that was like also eight months ago (laughs) but yeah i remember that very fondly i still have some of the candy from it there's like plastic rings and stuff oh and a pair of sunglasses i think some good loot but yeah that was the last installation i went to that was a great show there was performance and very well decorated spaces that told a story. Have either of y'all been to a show lately? No, I think the last installation was also Regression Lounge. Wow. <laughs> Even though I'm like, I guess in the art world. Would yeah. you say we've regressed to homebodies? <laughs> Progress to thesis bodies. I got the issue of like, I live on the west side, and a lot of stuff's all the east side, and I'm looking at that and I'm like, that's a 70 minute drive. Am I feeling that on like 5 p.m. on a Saturday? The answer recently has been no, I am not feeling it. They used to have more art stuff in Culver City, which is like where the mm-hmm. office is. And it's like, okay, that's accessible. It's easy to get to. But if it's like, you know, Eagle Rock, I'm like, oh, why? <laughs> why is this happening? If you know anything about me, it's that I can't remember names. So I did Google an installation that made an impression on me. But I did go to this installation recently by Jose Alejandro Restrepo called Musa Paradisiaca. Again, uh, butchering that. The first thing you noticed was the scent of these banana trees when you walked in, and they were in various stages of decay. And then you noticed these little pools of light under each one, and they were mirrors that were reflecting video from these tiny sort of CCTV feeds hanging in the banana leaves. And then if you bent down and leaned in very closely, you could see footage of banana farmers doing their work and and sometimes encountering violence. It was crazy because the footage was so different. Some of it was beautiful of these people like having a lot of fun in the forest, like some naked guy like running around the forest and then others that were like very violent. And it was this story of the trade of bananas between South and North America Like now, every time I smell bananas, this story is infused into that experience. Um, Another installation I went to recently was Kate and Ben's Float Museum, where there were all of these dying flowers around, and the scent of the show was in my 
brain for days afterwards. For our listeners, this is a, a little taste of what's coming up, but Atlee's going to be interviewing Ben Vance, who does work around LA and elsewhere. But yeah, we were both at that show, the With the Flowers. It was a very deathy show, I think, in Kate's words. I like deathy shows. Those flowers, I think she told me she pilfered from outside of a funeral home, which is where you can go to get a lot of flowers if you're looking for them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I wanted to talk about the term fidgetal, which is something I read on the internet, and it's the merging of physical and digital spaces. Have you guys heard this word before? Mm -hmm. No. (laughs) Okay, good. I'm glad that it's not out. I don't think we should be using it because I feel like we already have words to describe installation and realities yeah there's mixed reality reality immersion installation plates yeah i don't think we don't need another one that's like (laughs) particularly ugly the internet of things that one's my favorite it's like your couch is gonna have wi-fi someday I've seen some people who tweet, and you know how it says what you're tweeting from? It'll be like, my Samsung fridge. You're like, excuse me? (laughs) Where did humanity go wrong? We showed a lot of promise, and then now we're tweeting from our fridges. I think Peak Live Journal was like the best internet right there. That was a long time ago. It's a direct correlation to to collapse. (laughs) Are any of you interested in exhibiting or doing an installation work? or thinking about it at all? I think about it a lot, but not necessarily combining the physical and digital. One of the reasons I started working in digital and working with games is sustainability. Mm -hmm. I know you could get into, but the computer takes power. But when I'm working in digital and I'm making digital installations, I haven't made a thing that's going to completely be trashed Mm -hmm. afterwards and something that's very expensive and very ephemeral. I like how installation leaves a lot of room and takes away a lot of rules and restraints that the word game puts on your projects like it's an installation people really don't know what to think of that and just like anything goes I can say on regression lounge that was a level design that I built from a top-down map and then construct it you come in and you do a character mm-hmm. select. You pick your glasses, your ears, and then you're supposed to move around the room in a bit of a circle where you just using level design traits. You can see the final room, but you can't get to it yet because it's blocked off. I feel really silly now for not realizing the beginning was character select. <laughs> yeah. And then it was like activities, like the coloring, and then interact with the NPCs. That's amazing. I didn't even know I was playing a game until. Mm-hmm. That's how the best games are. (laughs) What's the difference to y'all between a really good installation and lackluster one? And I ask this because in LA, there's these like Instagram museums. Like you go and you take a shallow looking picture in front of like a colorful background. And then there are the highbrow experiences, for instance, the infinity room. which It's not the same experience. Obviously, there's a big difference. But essentially, the same result is that you take a cool picture for Instagram or whatever. I'm wondering if you have an opinion on what makes a really good installation really good and a lackluster one not good. I mean, I know what makes it not fine art and what makes it fine art. Usually who's doing it and the conceptual aspect. I'm not even going to attempt their name. However, the Infinity Room is coming from someone that has a mental difference and is trying to show their world to you, how they see the world, especially with obsessive compulsion. While people may not understand that that was the concept, the concept is still in the space itself. The Mm -hmm. Ice Cream Room is about nothing. 
Right. <laughs> How the player interacts with the system may be right. the same, but the concept is different. I definitely don't think those things are art. You know, like the Museum of Ice Cream. You don't learn anything there, first of all, which is disappointing. And you don't really get any samples. I mean, they look fun. It's not for me personally. Is it art? Because you're right. There's no intent behind it. Probably the original intent is like, hey, you know, got to hustle. This is a great way to make money. Immersive it's easy. advertising. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't think Museum of Ice Cream is art, but I also don't want to gatekeep and say like what you're making isn't art because right. gatekeeping sucks, but you can be like, hey, this isn't for me. I'm not the target audience. And I think that's okay also. The whole what is art thing quickly spirals into something crazy. And I think we've all had the discussion too many times. <laughs> yeah, I'd much rather say something sucks than, <laughs> than this isn't art. The thing that I thought about sitting here is that installation is space. And the thing that I'm most concerned with usually is just who is taking up that space. But I'm kind of looking to see a perspective that is being edited out of my digital space. I want to kind of open myself up to a new perspective with physical space, even when that's a performance that's so limited. So I've come back to again and again, like how important documentation is. There can be this feeling of like feeling selfish or something for like taking that extra mile to do really high quality documentation of your installation work or performance work that, you know, was a pop-up or could only run for 24 hours or one hour. I think it's really important to do that documentation work because so much installation work I've seen online because I couldn't be there or I didn't know about it in time. There's something about seeing people live that makes you think like, wow, I am really just going to remember this on my deathbed. That's a heavy takeaway. Someday I want to hope to make art that people remember on their deathbed. Um, <laughs> thank you all for being here today and giving me your time and energy. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Um, and I hope you come back. Next up, we have Atlee interviewing Ben Vance. I'm interviewing Ben Vance. He's been a veteran in the VR world, someone who I've known about for as long as I've known how to code. Hey, Ben. Hey. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I was living in New York when I heard about your work. What? And then, like, I came out here and then, like, saw you at Button Mash one day. I was with a group of people. Mm. I tried not to act weird. And then uh, eventually met you in person. And uh, here we are now. We've worked together. We've laughed. We've cried. We've pet cats together. <laughs> we've pet cats together. Made projects. Augmented reality. Augmented reality. Virtualized reality. And are there any projects that you want to talk about today? I like talking about all the projects, but the one that's perpetually on my mind is screensavers. So screensavers, um, 
started as a joke. Okay. We were actually doing a glitch event at CineFamily, I don't know, 2014, and we needed some VR stuff to show. And I was like, I got have a day or two. What am I going to do? And I thought, oh, I just want to see pipes. I want to see 3D pipes. And it was kind of a joke. And so I did that and I was like, okay, this is way better than it should be. <laughs> like, okay, I'm sold. And then probably a year after that, somewhere in that time span, I met my partner, Kate, and she's always wanted to do a screensavers project. Really? Yeah. What are the odds? I know it's crazy. That's what like, you know, made us the thing. Sealed the deal. Yeah. <laughs> screensavers. <laughs> what we realized was that screensavers is this nice way of relating to a technology it's kind of one of the first digital art forms in a way right mm. like it was people's first exposure to animation and computer generated imagery that wasn't tied to a game and that's kind of really exciting when you think about applying that to these new technologies we can make them interactive but it doesn't put the onus on people to like what am i supposed to be doing right they can just hang out in the space and interact with things or just look around so screensaver is in vr mm -hmm. it's in vr yeah well i mean we want to save all the screens <laughs> all of these new technologies guess what they're still using screens <laughs> so there's going to be a hard mode which is you have to not move your head otherwise it disappears <laughs> I hope you're feeding me some deeply pathological, hypnotic, brainwashy material, or is it like <laughs> Bowser doing a striptease? <laughs> okay, I'm going to take a note on that one. <laughs> That's for later. We're starting with screensavers inspired by the classics as kind of an entry point for people. So we do have the pipes and we've got a star field mystify your mind which is the actual name of the <laughs> original windows 95 screensaver with the colored lines bouncing off the sides oh i love that we're gonna have themed packs inspired by classic screensavers and then also looking towards the future an animation pack and then a pack of artist friends mm -hmm. that can collaborate it's just such a great format because there's really no rules mm -hmm. it can be as simple or as complex as you want it to be you know, screensavers you see when nobody's controlling the screen and telling it what to do. So ostensibly, it's free to do as it will mm -hmm. at those moments. How does it choose to express that urge to save itself? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way of putting yeah. it. And these things kind of functioned autonomously, mm -hmm. but once you put a person in the loop, you can be part of that, you can affect it, but what is the dialogue between person and computer? Yeah. How's that working? We're kind of contextualizing them, so there's a media historical element to it. When you boot it up, you'll be in a 80s or 90s living room or office. You can kind of like pick which zone you want to be in, but see a recreation of what was going on at the time in the real world, and then have like a CRT monitor mm -hmm. with the screensavers happening on it. And that also gives us an opportunity to play with all the elements that are on the desk that could be interactive, and then you can jump into it at any point and actually go inside them. That feels so collaborative to me between like man and machine. All the machines that were around in the 80s are now gone, right? But yeah. we still remember the 80s, or at least I do. And <laughs> I do. <laughs> I, I didn't want to present any spoilers, but I believe you do too. That's I remember, one thing we share. We both remember all of the 80s, <laughs> every detail. How do you see the screensavers 
project fitting within the larger technosphere of your body of work? Screensavers is, I think, a way of relating to a technology. There's actually no use for it anymore, and yet they still persist. You buy a new Mac, and it will have a screensaver on it. And it's just something to look at, but it, it's not necessary. There's no screen burn-in. The technical reasons aren't there. Did not know that. Yeah. Now it's like decoupled from <laughs> why that was even necessary. Mm -hmm. What I think is most interesting about that is that we have AR and VR and all these new technologies coming in. And we have all of the great examples of, of what they might do, but they are kind of still fulfilling their promise. And we don't quite know what they're for mm -hmm. or what the final form of this stuff looks like. This opportunity to explore in that context without putting too much expectation about what that thing needs to be. Is it a game? Is it a film? No, it's something else. Is it a productivity app? Well, it could be. It can be all of these things. It can be a superset of these things, but to let people play with it and also as viewers to put them in the right headspace to explore it in a different way than a lot of the media that they're used to. So I guess to tie it back to my background, I'm just consistently interested in changing our relationship to technology and the way most people consume things. I think this goes back to like even me as a kid. I don't feel like I watched a lot of TV as a kid. I'm, I'm sure I did, but I remember becoming an adolescent and sort of being aware of my own time more and having more control over that. And just this power that television had mm -hmm. to just suck you in. You can't look away, you know, and you're just like, okay, there I am hours later. And that is okay sometimes, but when you don't really feel like you have full control over that, mm -hmm. that's kind of problematic. Um, and, you know, I loved games growing up as well. And, and that, I never felt like that was unhealthy. Like I felt like TV was, which is weird. I don't know if, where that comes from, but yeah, I'm trying to get people out of like these passive modes. It seems like what you're doing with Float in letting people have that discussion of, is this art? Is this a game? Is this an interactive experience? No matter what people think, they are engaged in it and engaged in you know, setting their limits of how they think about and consume their own media. Yeah, I don't really want to play a game when I go into VR. I will play one, and there are some really good games, but when I understand like a full rule set, sometimes it can feel really confining. I completely agree with that. <laughs> and I love games, which is weird. Games don't have to have difficulty, or they don't have to be challenging, but we often think of them that way, or there's mm -hmm. like a skill curve, or mastery, or there's this element of challenge. And when I come into the, some of these new technologies, I almost feel like what I want out of it is challenge, but not in the same way, almost like a psychological challenge, right? right? I want people to get better at grappling with things they don't understand. Right. And being like more comfortable with the unknown. That was kind of like the liberating thing for me trying a rational exuberance where I really didn't know what to expect. It was like such an open spacious <laughs> surprising like I just never really knew where the experience was going to go next it was so new for me feeling like validated that I've always been that person who's like too far out on the limb <laughs> you know let's just be positive let's mm -hmm. just you know confront that unknowable rock of existence that we'll never master <laughs> with you know kind of a hopeful sensibility the scope of like what you can sort of feel directly like the gap of okay I'm projecting into a character or I have an avatar which is embodied and mm. I'm kind of like channeling everything through that character that gap sort of disappearing being able to feel like if you do it right you know you're just feeling it directly there's no more sort of interpretive step it's like breaking down a barrier in the most visceral sense <laughs>
and when a lot of stuff fails for me is when I feel those seams still. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, this is just a simulation. It's broken in these various ways or I, I can't maintain my belief in this reality. I see too many problems with it mm-hmm. or it, it's uh, not consistent or logical in certain ways. But it, I think, allows us to have sensations we don't quite get through other media. Yeah. The sense of feeling small or large. I mean, like, literally scale, but also psychologically, right? Like, I'm just this, like, little speck in the universe (laughs) (laughs) versus um, I have this tremendous power. Right. And that kind of overlay and combination of those things happening. Because I feel like those things are both true at the same time. There are times in your life when you're like, oh, I can I can do this thing. My possibilities are limitless. And other times you're like, I'm boxed in or I'm like kind of understanding my place right now. I think all that can be expressed in different ways, but it's really interesting to do it in an embodied way now. You've created many things. Do you have any advice for aspiring creators of any age? Sometimes I think about them as the youngins, but let's remember, any age. Any age. I think my advice would be to not be afraid of just trying things. There's so much information out there and the tools are getting more and more accessible and easier than ever. A lot of things, they're not as hard as you think they are. To start learning the process or learning how to use something to create something and to be okay with not knowing where it's going to end up. It will be hard at certain times, but you don't know when that's going to be, right? The difficult parts are sometimes not where you think they are. I mean, it can be quite a bit easier to get started or to start seeing something happen. In my experience, just being open to things and not worrying too much about the result is a good place to start. I always think coding is like a relationship with your computer Mm -hmm. versus like, I'm going to take an idea and inject it. That's just always. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It gets transformed and mutated in the process. Yeah. If you treat it kind of like a relationship Mm -hmm. and you're like, well, I'll just try and veer slightly off into this way rather than this way. Maybe something will come out of it. As someone who's programmed for a long time, one thing I appreciate more than I used to is that a programming language, it's a language, right? And that language, like all this stuff was actually created by people. It is a machine, but that machine was created by people people. And so that dialogue and the process of learning it and and using it, it's like a dialogue with people from years ago who created this thing, right? Mm -hmm. And if it's difficult or hard to use, it could be a poorly designed language. Right. Or it could have some gaps in it or flaws. You know, it's not necessarily like, oh, geez, I'll never be good at computers. There is no fixed thing that a machine or a computer is, right? We have layers and layers of abstraction. And the language that uh, you're using might not be one that you're well suited to. Maybe you don't have the precursor knowledge or the right foundation to grapple with that. I'm always like, it's such a bitch just doing anything with technology (laughs) that like, just keep it moving until you find something that you like. Mm Because if you don't like it, if you're not getting this constant feedback of like, damn, that was cool, Mm -hmm. then you're not going to stick with it because it's so freaking boring. (laughs) It can be very boring. Yeah. Shout outs for your team. 
Kate Parsons is my partner at Float, and we're doing crazy art interactive stuff targeted towards consumers, but also towards art world, but also towards like, who knows? One thing I've learned is with all this new technology, we don't really even understand where it lives yet. Right. We're just kind of exploding and going in every direction because there's a lot of interesting places that it could exist. Our other partner, Daniel Lisi, has mm-hmm. been helping us. Um, push in these different directions as well you can find all of us at float.land and yeah i guess the other shout out is just glitch city i've worked with a lot of people here and collaborated in different ways on different projects anybody who supports your work just in terms of being energetic about it or wanting to hear about what you're doing it's important to keep those people close to you because you need that encouragement and feedback as you go through the difficult parts which again are not quite where you think they are usually you might be going along fine and all of a sudden hit a roadblock and you need support to get through that and it's kind of interesting with Floatland's work because you are cross-pollinating these audiences of like academia and business and game entertainment and the art world installation at your events there's always interesting conversations going on between people who are maybe grappling with similar issues around interactivity or immersivity yeah there's a lot of cross-pollination happening right now and i think what bothers me about a lot of the narrow thinking about what's your audience is just each of us has many varied interests right i'm not only into one thing and Mm -hmm. so a lot of these things they have like hooks for different kinds of people nobody puts baby in a corner nobody Nobody puts baby in a corner. here today at this very fancy recording studio here at Glitch City. Thank you for having me. Very lucky. If you want to learn more about myself, I'm Buffalo Vision, so you can go to buffalo.vision and you will experience a website which has not been touched in years. Levi Rohr and guest Alan Hazelden. Have you heard the story of Icarus? My name is Levi Rohr, and this is a show about hubris. I have with me here, Alan. Alan, have you heard the story of Icarus? Sure, why not? Uh, Can you talk us through it? Yeah. Uh, So there was a a guy called Icarus, and he was like, oh man, birds are the best. I want to be a bird. 
So he and Daddy Icarus were like, well, I guess the birds have wings, so we're just going to make ourselves some wings and then we'll be a bird. And they're like, okay, so wings have feathers and I guess we're just going to glue these feathers to the wings and then we're going to flap away and be all birdie. And so it was all good. And then they built these wings and they're like, oh man, being a bird is the best. I'm going to fly so high. And then Daddy Icarus was like, no, Icarus, don't fly too high. But Icarus was like, ah, oh, I'm Icarus. Icarus flew really high and the glue melted because birds don't have glue because glue melts and the sun melted the glue and Icarus fell and died and Daddy Icarus was sad. He never stood a chance, did he? He, he, di- he didn't. When was the time when you were Icarus? So I was like, well, I'm going to release a game. And that's bad enough. That's already flying too high. But I was like, well, you know when the best time to release a game is? The week before GDC, when I'm going to be super busy and stressed. And then I was like, well, you know what? I should do it the day before I get on Train Jam where there's no Wi-Fi for two days. When I want to be like, oh man, my game's out. And then I'll be at GDC where I'll be like, oh, my, my game's out. But everyone's too busy to Yeah. Uh, and this was a great plan and nothing went wrong uh, but my email inbox still has messages from 2015 that week which are still like marked unread so I know that I need to reply to them well thank you for sharing your story with us Alan no problem And we're back. Wow. That was a great episode. Thank you to Ben Vance for the interview. Thank you to all our guests. This was great. Couldn't agree more, Levi. And the music that you heard during that interview was a selection from various Floatland joints, including tracks by Eris, Riot, Kid 606, and Sam Bird and Joel Corlitz. Big thank you to all the panelists for sitting down with me. You can reach them on Twitter. Phase is at Phase Zero. That's P-H-A-Z-E-R-O. Rachel is at Rachel underscore Sala. And Atlee is at A-T-L-3-Y. Twitter, great website. No installation required. I don't know if it's a great website, but... It is a website. If you want it on your phone, though, you have to download the app, which could count as an installation. Okay, so I may have to censor that last piece of... Bring out the canon. This is a serialized podcast. All right. So speaking of which, let's transition our way out of here and, and out of this episode. Very uh, sustainable way to run the episode, Julian. Yeah, just go, keep going back to all the... I was just using words. I, I can't join in because I, I don't know. I haven't listened to any of this podcast. Well, it is very sustainable to recycle all our old jokes. However, I don't think that would probably be an unpopular opinion for our fans out there. So I let's so. try to keep things new and fresh. So I, I'd like to announce this is going to be my last episode. Listen, keep sending those voicemails to glitchcityradio at gmail.com with the subject line voicemail. No voicemails this month, but uh, we'll still have those in the future. Um, Lila, great uh, new segment there, by the way, now that that's been been heard. Oh, well, thank you. I've been been looking forward to that for, for years. Wow. Yeah, I, it's it's been a dream, and uh, I'm just hoping that we didn't fly too high this time. All right, and my my aspirations didn't get the better of me. <laughs> no, no, I thought it was. Do, very, do you uh, um do you understand what I'm what I'm trying to get at? Well done, well done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jamie, any final notes before we head out? Just the usual. If you are listening to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or YouTube, 
and you didn't already know, our episodes are usually released about a week early on Patreon, our Patreon feed if you donate. I say usually because this month was unusual. Got a little close to the... Uh, to the sun? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. With, with the editing schedule here this, this month, hopefully we'll do a better job next time. Never said a chance. Not at all. But you know, we'll try to have some extra content up there for our Patreon subscribers this month. And definitely next month and going forward, you will have a full week of early access on Patreon. Okay, and uh, as always, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. That's always much appreciated. Speaking of iTunes, more like iNotTunes, a lot of you have been requesting uh, the ability to hear Glitch City Radio on your Google phones, and so I'm working hard to make that happen very soon. That's cool. Yeah, I know. I mean, not sure why, but I know people have Android phones, so I'm sure that's very useful for them. So I think it's because some people have taste. Oh, okay, okay. So, look, guys, we're going to be back next month in April. So tune in then for another episode of Glitch City Radio. Mystify, Mystify my, my. <laughs>